Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Welcome. Uh, Grab your Bibles. You're going to want to have this passage circled, dog-eared, notes next to it, because we talked about it last week. Oh, we're talking about this week, and oh, yes, we're going to talk about next week as well. And it's um, this passage right here. Looks really cool with the background, right? (laughs) Background's not supposed to be there right now, but this is how I read it to you last week. This is the typical NIV version. But there's another, there's another way that it's shared, and it's um, in the Amplified version. And for some reason, it's not showing up here. But this passage, I want us to know this inside and out. We talk about triads. We talk about small groups. It's more than just being together. It's being together to the point where you're in each other's business in a good way where someone cares enough about you that they're going to encourage you, spur you on to who you are called to be. So this passage, I want to make sure we read it. Although we read it earlier, I want it to sink in. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to add to this verse like they would in the Amplified Version. And as I'm adding into it, what I'm doing is I'm taking the word and I'm giving you explanation of it while I'm adding. Then I'll trust you. So verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur or stir or provoke or incite or irritate one another on toward love, love in action, and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together or forsaking each other, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging, pushing each other, Adding courage to one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And last week, as I was going through this passage, I realized we have this group that basically is living this out. It's like a science lab for this verse. It's taking this and saying, how far can we go with it? And that's these guys right here. Uh, There's a couple guys. One is at another church, so he can't be here, and another guy's out of the country. But these are guys that were at the La Casa house, and these are guys that are right there. In fact, the beauty is, is that David just arrived last Sunday. This is his first time at church, and we have him on stage with a microphone. (laughs) So this is David, if you haven't met him yet. Hi. But I want to give you some background on La Casa, because some of you know, some of you are involved in what it is, but some of you, and so we want to give you some background before we start to look at this verse through the eyes of the scientists. And so uh, this house was started, um, you know, Josh, actually, how many years? What's the exact? 2013. So we count that as five years. Okay. So 2013, and it is uh, in Lazanha, or as it's known um, by official title, the Capistrano Villa, across the train tracks in San Juan. And the people that live there call it the barrio. That's what they call it. And this picture is my favorite picture because there's so much 
symbolism in this picture. One, it's beautiful. If you've grown up in South Orange County and you know about Lazanha, you've been told, don't go there. It's dangerous. It's a bad place. There's gang members. There's a, it's bad. No. If you've been there, and especially if you've lived there, you know how beautiful it is. And the things that the people are doing there for each other and for their families is so beautiful that we're missing out because of our fear. So we started a house. Um, someone from the church bought it, and then we raised money to rent it. And so we rent it back, and we moved guys in there to live in a missional community. The community of guys that live there for the purpose, and these are three key words here. So these will guide everything we talk about today, and it fits with the verse, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. They're committed to living there and with each other, to learning, not coming to do stuff, but coming to learn from each other and from their neighbors. And as God informs and moves in their lives through living and learning, then they're set free to love. And the way they love is they do it in community. So this is an example of one of the times that they've gotten together with the neighbors because they don't come in and plan what they want to do for the neighborhood. The neighbors already know what is needed, and the guys that live there are just there to support and encourage and be a resource for the guys and the ladies that live there. Um, they'll do stuff with a lot of the kids and the families. Uh, I don't even know what's happening here, but it's a beautiful picture of one of the many meetings they have. Um, you'll see some of the moms, some of the kids. You'll see Joey Duran over there with his awesome stash. They also, because of living there, the, the family said, we really want our kids to have the opportunity to go to college, but we don't know how to do it. So one of the things we've done over the past few years is to teach the guys um, that you're incorporating with what they want, and let's help the kids, focus on the kids and the families, because there's so many needs, focus on the kids and the families, help the kids to be dreamers. And so one of the things they do is a thing called College Bound, uh, where they not only take them to colleges, they teach them life skills, study skills, but they also show them that not everybody has to go to college. Show them how to start businesses. So we'll do like a business uh, session with them, show them how we make them start their own businesses. Um, but the main thing they do is relationships. Um, this, this is, of all the pictures in here, this is my favorite. Because this is really what it's like. In fact, when David arrived, I said, hey, guys, we got to find a way that every time someone moves into the house, they're welcomed in. And so they had all the kids hiding in the house when David got there on Sunday, and they came out and bombarded them with Nerf guns and I don't know what else, but they, they, they pummeled them. But the other key part of this is these guys are living together. This is actually a pose picture. You can probably find it on Shutterstock. Um, but it is our guys. Um, but you guys don't always eat like that, do you? Oh, never mind. I can see that you guys didn't cook that. That's from the neighbors, isn't it? Really? You guys made your own beans? Wow, that's impressive. But it's teaching these guys how to live together in community with each other and how to live this verse out. To consider how we can spur, spur one another on to who we were called to be. And let's not stop meeting together. Encourage each other. So what I want to do with our time here is um, to look at these passages and on top of that to ask questions because these are the scientists and they can tell you what they were looking at. Does that make sense? All right, so if you can, open up your passages, your Bibles, to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 because that's where we're going to hang out. And this passage right here 
You guys can't see it, can you? Oh, cool. It's like a mystery for you. That's fine. You don't need to. So this is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I want to, this wasn't one of the questions I asked you guys. Um, we gave him some questions ahead of time to think through that some they don't have. So I'm going to read it to you guys. And I want you to tell me how you've experienced it. So Christian means another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. So if any of you guys can answer this, how have you experienced this, that you need another Christian because you guys are so close to each other? How have you seen this lived out? Well, uh, my name's Brian. And uh, I think... You know, just being real with people, I think when we first moved in there, uh, you know, we were uncomfortable. We were new, and so uh, there were probably some raw emotions that came out. And um, it wasn't a bad thing. I think it helped to be transparent and uh, just kind of level with each other. And I think that's a big part of um, just encouraging when people are down or, or uh, just seeing where people are at. And, and that just kind of... I try to carry that and just really look people in the eye when I talk to them. And, and um, yeah, that's a good kind of daily. Yeah, and going off that, having a place where same thing, being able to be open and transparent, it's really special in a home atmosphere. And I know um, throughout the last year, it, it was a huge aspect of the amount of growth that we've had internally in La Casa was being able to have a place where those – raw emotions that you're going through you know you got three different guys trying to live a community style who all have their own ideas how to do it and then having to abandon all those things while being in a totally new type of culture there's a lot of different emotions rushing around but being able to fall back on a house where these guys have committed to being here for you really um, grew uh, a lot of us who have been there so I have a particular question for you guys Give some practical examples of the difficulties each other's needs above your own. Because you're living in such close quarters, but also you're doing life together. You're working together. Give some practical examples of how you were stretched in that way. And here's another coaching thing. You have a microphone. Always hold it up here. I know you guys are all humble. You're like, I don't really want to. But if you hold it down there, they can't hear you. I thought I did. And you were. Oh. He didn't. <laughs> looking well, right okay. at me. <laughs> okay, so what are some practical examples of, of the struggle but the growth that you learned by being at La Casa in the lab of putting the needs of someone else above you? I, I can answer that. You can turn me down. My name's Ding. Um, I've been living in the house for two months now. Um, and um, so now that we're in transition, a lot of the house needs a lot of upkeep. And we're learning about all the rooms that are filled with items. And so we plan days in which to gut the house and clean things. But um, we're still living a life. We, need, we still need to work some jobs and make money so we can buy groceries and whatnot. And so uh, I often face the tension of having to turn some work down, maybe making an extra buck here and there. Um, and it's difficult at first because it's nice to make some extra cash. But... Um, Practically, I had to say no to some work so that we could spend a day, spend an entire day cleaning out the closets, cleaning out the rooms, um, which have real value, but uh, 
doesn't really work that way sometimes when you got a job lined up. So we found a can of beans uh, that expired in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> beans last a long time, and they expired in 2015. <laughs> um, I think that my name's Hayden. Yes. Um, when I moved in, I think it's just a really interesting. This good. Perfect. Um, when I moved in, I think it's just such a like, quickly changing time where most of us moved in right as we finished college. And all throughout college and all of education, you're being told what you need to do to make get this job and make this. And just it's like it's very, this is no offense to education. I love education. But like <laughs> it's very self-serving. Like this is what you can get out of this. Um, and then you move to a house with a bunch of guys and like your entire purpose is to focus on each other and not on career and not on and just focus on people which is such a a, a time where i think it's it catches you and, and gets you a little bit kind of readjusted before you think of career options because um, it's kind of along those lines in the beginning it was it was pretty difficult trying to decide that because like you've made this commitment um, also got through, you've gone through this stage of life where like now you feel that you're ready to do your own thing and support yourself and, and you still can do that. But mixing that with, you know, an ideal world for most people is just everyone treating each other well. And that's such a, that's so not um, what's typically taught, which is, which is really interesting. But I think that, yeah, moving in with a bunch of guys who, who like have that in same intention show you that um, is the best way to learn it and it was just I, I mean there's no better time I think to learn that than right as you move into it so I think timing wise too it's just a really perfect situation so each of these guys had to go through that stage of um, consider let us consider how we can do this so they had to consider the actual reality of living with these other guys and some of you didn't know each other and so you move into this crazy situation. And so, like, we're calling everybody here at Branches, or called Branches, their community of faith, to be in that kind of community. And, of course, it's freaky, especially even if you know the people. Hey, we want to meet once a week, and let's, like, get into this. Let's do life together. Let's spur each other on. Sounds really pretty until it's real, right? So for you guys, what was the practical what it was like when you showed up at the house for the first time and everyone was there and you're like, oh gosh, what did I get myself into? And I'm thinking, David, it's freshest for you <laughs> since you've got only six days under your belt. So like we talked about it. I tried, I, with each of you, I've tried to make sure you really think through what you're getting yourself into. So we've talked, wrestled with it, and then you show up though and it becomes real. So what have you learned in the past five days in terms of that, oh my gosh, this is going on. Like I'm doing this. Um, yeah, just relating it back to the verse, it says that don't stop seeing each other or some of you are in the habit of doing. And I know for me, honestly, that's something that I have built is sometimes I have a tendency to close off when, you know, it's just getting tough. And when I was bombarded with Nerf guns <laughs> that, that day, I kind of knew that that's probably a habit that is going to break it's not probably not going to break in very quickly but it's you know through a process i think that you know with 
time, it's gonna that habit's gonna become less and less a factor in my life. So I definitely am looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still amazed that it's it's David's first. We got him up with a microphone. I don't think we've ever done that to somebody before, and you just crushed it. He's doing <laughs> communion later too. <laughs> Now, for you guys, you know, especially you guys that, like, you were, the, you were two of the first three that were in the house. What was that like? When there was nothing, they said, hey, by the way, in fact, the house wasn't even done. You were part of the demo team. Yeah, I have this very clear memory of when we first finished the, the remodel of the house, we got some furniture in there, and we were all in the house for that first night. It was a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday night. <laughs> and we all come in there, and we, we've been talking about this for months. We had been meeting and talking about ideas, what we are going to do. And we get in there, and it's been a long day, and we sit down on the couch, and there's this realization that we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> and we had no plan. We had limited connections in the neighborhood. And it was just, what did we do? You know, what did we commit to? Um, yeah, it was pouring rain. It was like a very dramatic scene. <laughs> um, and then in, in the weeks and months that followed, we figured that out. But just starting that something new together really bonded us a lot. Uh, through the frustrating moments, through the great moments, we had that, that time together of figuring it out. And that was really important for us. The thing I like about when you should have shared that, it made me think of, because obviously I'm thinking about this verse and all of us, like how this relates to us. And that's what it's going to be like. I don't think it's going to be dramatic with the rain and the lighting is going to be just perfect. But there is that, oh, my gosh, we have no idea what we're doing. And as I look around, I know so many of you that don't really have other Christians. If you're a guy, you don't have other guys that you're walking with. And the idea of jumping into that is like, oh, no, that's not. Or if you're a woman and you're like, all right, I'm going to meet with other women. Do you know women? Do you know what happens when, are you serious? I am not taking that risk because there's this fear and there's this understanding that you don't know what you're doing and neither does the other person. Like that's a great metaphor when you guys showed up and especially since there was no La Casa before. It was just you guys and you're making it up as you go along. Um, so... The key part of this passage that I think that you're the best to teach us on is let's consider how we can spur or stir or provoke or incite each other towards love and action and good deeds. So you guys are around each other. You're around these neighbors that are so different from you. The story after story of how God has shaped you, molded you, and pushed you. Can some of you guys share some of the ways that your roommates and the neighborhood and even the church people have stirred you on. Um, my name's Aaron. And Josh, one time, I think one thing that is difficult is we can use that idea that we have no idea what we're doing to kind of not do anything, right? That's a good excuse. Oh, we don't know what to do, so therefore I'm just going to stay in the house and be comfortable. And that's where I lived for a while at the house. So I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm the new guy. But uh, one time I watched Josh just make a dish 
full of cut up peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We had, we had no food in the pantry, and I was like, hey, there's nothing to do. We don't have any supplies to do anything. And here's Josh scavenging together some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to just go hand out to the neighbors. And I was just like, okay, I'll just follow you. And he's literally going from garage to garage just offering people, hey, you want some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. Wait, wait, I mean, how how did that go over, by the way? It was, well, I thought it was, I thought it would be weird. But. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know. <laughs> But it was, it was received so well, like such a gesture of simple kindness and neighborly love. Like, oh, hey, I'm with the arrows pointing out, considering my neighbor. And so for me, that was really cool to see Josh just kind of take an action step and say, hey, even though we don't know what we're doing, I'm just going to make something happen and, and let God work. And so that was a time when uh, not knowing what we were doing as an excuse was eliminated. Mr. Josh Geisler, thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah, what are some other ways? Spurring, spurring. I, I, we had a powwow before the church service, and I shared this story, but um, Macho David, when he was with us, he was still a student, so he would often come home from going to college, and he'd be you know, coming home in the afternoon or evening, super tired, sometimes frustrated with his day, but there were a few times where he would come in after a long day of, of doing all of that, he would come in, set his backpack down, and go right back out to go hang out with the neighbors, and that was irritating sometimes, because I had had a long day too, and I didn't want to go back outside and, and hang out with the neighbors, uh, but as far as spurring me on, that was a great example for me of I'm going to set aside my tiredness. I'm going to set aside my wants, my desire to sit on the couch and do nothing. And I'm going to go out and talk to people. I'm going to go out and spend time. And that was, that was a great example. So, Dan, you've been in the house for how long now? Just a little more. Okay. I'm Daniel, by the way. Daniel Taylor. Daniel Taylor. And so in this period of time, how has being around this environment and these guys um, – you, whether it's their words or their actions. Yeah, so showing up in the neighborhood, I was kind of kind of a new guy, like, what do I expect? I'm just here showing up, just trying to learn. And it was really cool showing up in the neighborhood, and, and all the neighbors and everybody just had open arms, like, hey, you're, oh, you're from La Casa, oh, you know all those guys. Like, there's such a good... Like, going out and talking to people, that's a good impression. Like, I'm the new guy, but I feel like I have a place there or something. And it's it's cool to be, like, welcomed into a community. And I figure these studs over here doing a good job of that. And, yeah, I just, what was the original question again? Well, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I was a talk. So, now we're talking in general sense, but then there's the personal shaping in your life. Um, can you remember a time, maybe it wasn't by their actions, but one of the guys or someone here at church or someone kind of, for, for lack of a better term, got in your face, challenged you, either because you were falling back because of fear or because you were moving in a direction that wasn't a direction that you had wanted to go in in terms of your faith and your life. You know, that irritating thing. You want it, but you don't want it. Anyone want to be brave enough to share a time when you were really pushed? 
Wink to my two Scott Charles, and I was like, kind of angry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, how am I going to brush my teeth? That was last night. Still pretty fresh. My dad is a hoarder, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I can share. <laughs> Are you going to share something? Sorry, Ben. Okay, so um, something to know about me. Thanks, Alex. Um, so, I'm a young guy. I got, I've been dealing with, um, not been, but, you know, you run into some relationship problems. And as a, as a guy especially, it's so easy to just close up. And uh, in the past, I definitely do that. Uh, but Christian here, he's known me for a long time. We shared many intimate experience, experiences together. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, but no, we've, we've, we've become really, really close friends over these last uh, three-ish years. And, um, you know, he really can sense when something's off and he just gets right in my face when I really want it to go away. Um, and he doesn't really berate He creates a space in which I'm comfortable to open up a little bit. And, and it's a really encouraging to just have someone really up in your face because it's really easy to dismiss someone as well as your own feelings. Uh, it's really encouraging. It's really uplifting to just, you know, have that accountability for your own feelings and emotions. We have a day once a week where we just meet up and just, like, you got to be there. We've been doing it for how long now? Like, like a month. Like a month. And it's pretty cool. Just get up at 7 a.m. Thursday morning, and we all just, like, you got to be there. And we just talk to each other. How's your week going? How's life? How are you doing with your faith? And it's just... It's cool to just have a group of guys that you can just talk to. It's, it's great to hear that still consists. Is, um, I don't know who got in whose face, but we weren't spending time with each other originally. and uh, It was winter, like the first year. And, um, <laughs> On and a I Thursday. Think, and it was, it really, was a Thursday. It was really tough to find parking all the time. Overcast. And, uh, long story short, it was like, what works for everyone, when can we get together? And I think two or three of the four could make it to the Saturday pancake breakfast we had going on. And, and then, uh, like, well, let's get together and, and get in the word or something, you know, just so we're not looking at each other all the time. And, and the time ended up being, like, 6.30, and, and Macho is not morning, and neither is Josh. <laughs> and I was up just looking at him like, you know, this is this is what we're doing. Like we're, you know, and they weren't there in their face and their expression. So, uh, it it eventually rolled into something else. I'm sure we did some dinners and a few guys from the church came over and brought dinner and such and, and gals too, of course. But um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what guy ever brought it. Wasn't it all the ladies that brought no. pizza? No, uh, Brad like brought pizza over one time, <laughs> and we we couldn't fit his truck in the garage. I don't know. And then uh, Topher, I believe, as well. And so, yeah. Um, I think that kind of along those same lines, it's it's something that got a lot easier to understand as I saw it kind of lived out. And the consistency was really key, where even if, like, we missed, because at one point it was just Josh and I, um, and, you know, it was almost like, we can meet basically every time it's just us at the house because that's us meeting. But we still kind of had our, like, random times we picked. It's like, when are you for sure free? It's like 6 a.m. on Tuesday. Let's go to Bagel Shack. And, like, neither of us had things till 9. We just decided to go to Bagel Shack at 6. And we left <laughs> in, like, 20 minutes because we were like, why did we just do that? Like, oh, well, we already set that, like, a month ago. So um, the consistency of it was really good. But I think um, that started to kind of 
like dwindle a little bit just as things got busier. But Josh, I, I, I've told this story a lot of times since he left. When it was just Josh and I, and there's three bedrooms there, one's an office, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, sweet, I can have my own room, and, like, it'll be great. And Josh was like, why? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, it's, it's a, there's two open bedrooms, and there's two grown men. <laughs> let's, let's do that. And he was like, how is that going to help you be a husband? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh. I, I don't really know, and but but I'll like I'll never I'll never forget that because you're right. I was I was like I have I have no argument to that, and so every day even if we weren't meeting, I remember like coming in super late. It'd be like 1 a.m. and there's no way Josh is asleep. And I'm like creeping in, and then I like lay in my bed, and then I just hear like, "How's your date like?" <laughs> And we, would, and we would talk, like talk ourselves to sleep. And it was always like, who's going to say the last thing? And it would go for like 45 minutes. And then it's like, all right, well, good night. And then it was like, wait, there's one more thing. And, and that consistency just I got me so used to being really talkative that, I mean, bless my future wife, because I talk her ear off nonstop. Got me in the habit of always talking. But I think that that was something that I learned where it's like, not only should you not try to avoid those those good relationships with friends, I mean, but just, like, the intentionality. Like, he never was asking me, how's it going or how's your day, in the hope that I said, good, good night. It was like, tell me what happened and how it made you feel. And, <laughs> and it was awesome because, I mean, it's good, to, it's good to talk about those things. And that was, that was a good habit, I think, that would carry over for everyone. And right now we have three of the six alumni engaged in marriage. Woohoo! Well played. Thanks, Josh. Oh, four. Wait, four. Four of the six. One, two, three, four. Yeah, four. Four of the six. So I even wrote four short. So four seats. So just so you know, all these men will be well prepared for marriage someday. <laughs> In case any of you are single or have single friends, just not right now. I'm going to encourage them not to date during this time, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay, so closing questions. I mean, there's so many other questions I want to ask. There's so much more. But... With all of the people here, all the people listening on the podcast, they're not all going to be able to live in this situation. And what advice, and especially for you guys as alumni who are moving out, have moved out, and are adjusting, what have you learned from this house that you can on and incorporate into your normal life? Whether it be single, married, working, however that looks, what have you learned in terms of living together such that it was intentional, spurring each other on, knowing that you had to have other guys that were going in the same direction, and to get in that habit of not stopping the meeting together, but encouraging it, especially as it involves your involvement in church, because for a lot of you guys, you know, we re well, we require it now for the guys to be a part of the church, because we want them to understand what it's like to have those relationships, to be known and to know others so what advice would you have as you've made this transition of things that you learned that you want to carry on that would apply to everybody here i think uh, one of the most powerful things that i have carried into my life now and my marriage and ministry and everything else is to use the word with a, a lot more and do this with me 
come with me. Let's go on this adventure together. And that's so important for people, especially people who are struggling, but you might not even know it, to say something like, hey, instead of I'm going to pray for you, let's pray together. Instead of, hey, you should go to church with me, I'll pick you up. Um, and there's one example of when I learned the, the power of the word with was we were running uh, Dia de los Niños, and Aaron and I had worked, I think, 18 hours out of 24 putting this thing together. And it's the end of the day. We're both so tired. And I noticed some trash uh, on the field. And I said, hey, Aaron, could you go pick up that trash? And he gives me this look. <laughs> and so I finished the sentence with, can you pick up this trash with me? <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. And, and then it was like, OK, yeah, I, I can do that. Even though I'm tired and exhausted and I don't want to, if it's with you, if you're in it with me, I can do that. And, and so we did it. And we cleaned up all the trash. And it's the same today in, in my context, in El Salvador, in, in my marriage. If I say the word with, it's so much more powerful than if I say, hey, do this for me. If I just say, do this with me. I have lived in different living situations since leaving La Casa. And the one that I moved into was very much like La Casa in name, right? We want to be a missional community. We want to be intentional with our relationships with roommates and with neighbors. But community, there was no mission. There was no reason why we were wanting to be intentional with neighbors, with ourselves. We never met and we never were vulnerable and nothing actually ever happened. And so when I think about what I want because God, like he wants to know us. He wants to enter into our lives. He wants to be that strong relationship to us. And I think that's really the goal of La Casa is to share God's love, God's grace with others, with one another. Um, and that's just really something that has stood out to me when there's that unity, when there's that common reason why we're meeting, why we want to be intentional, why we want to share with each other. It makes it a lot easier because if there's no mission that's common amongst one another, it just what hasn't been effective, mm. if that makes sense. Interesting. Thanks, Dan. Um, just want to thank all of the Casa guys for doing it. You had something? Okay, you fired off. There it is. There it is. Um, I I had a period in the house where I was alone for a little while, and all of a sudden it just that was that was tough because even to have the motivation to to be out with the neighbors. Or go out. There wasn't um, that irritation. There wasn't that coach on the side uh, to keep going. And um, but once like all these three dudes, men came in, um, all of a sudden I had like double. Oh, dude, we can do this. We can do the kitchen. Then we'll be out in the neighborhood, and then we'll go over to Maria's and have dinner because she's cooking for us and it's really good food. And all of a sudden, like everything comes back to life. And it, it was kind of going off of Aaron's intentionality of being with one another and when when we're with each other and then the adventure will come or adventure will happen when there's uh, more involved and we are all committed to one another um, and that's something and carry on to a marriage and a family and then the church community and whoever wherever community I'm with intentionally being there um, and when people know that you're intentionally being there it encourages them to intentionally be there as well and then 
God works through that, and God uses that to make special things and miracles happen. Now I'm like, I thought, moved them off. <laughs> There's a laugh. Got me. So um, can you please thank the La Casa guys for being up here? I'm going to invite the worship team up, and the La Casa guys are going to head out. Um, we're going to take communion together, but I want to speak directly to you. I was talking with Kim this week, and Kim said, hey, make sure that you're really clear about triads. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I was so clear last week, but that's one of my problems. I'm not very clear all the time. So if I haven't been clear enough, let me be clear. As we're looking in this scripture, as we're looking at our communion of faith, yes, if you're wondering, is Luke saying that like me just being married or just having roommates and just having friends is not enough? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that Christians need Christians. That if you don't already, if you're a man and you don't already have other men that you know care about you and are pushing you and are challenging you, then we're calling you to that. If you're a woman and you don't have other women who you know are seeking Christ and are putting your needs above theirs, and they are going to do the uncomfortable thing of stirring you on, whether it's encouraging you in who you are or saying, you know what, you're moving in a direction that's not who you are, but challenging each other. If that's not happening, we are calling you to that. I'm a horrible salesperson. So I was talking to my other friend. He goes, you should say it this way. And so you, you see this? So what we have to offer you is triads. I can't do that. It just seems weird. But you know what? For some of you, that's the language you understand. If you don't have that, do it. You're going to be getting a Scipio reminder. If you've connected, if you have it, then you're going to get that on your phone, and it's going to have a link so you can take that stretch. Some of you right now know of one other lady or one other guy or two other guys or two other ladies that you're like, we could. we're not talking about just going out and hanging out and mountain biking. We're not talking about just going out for coffee or sitting in each other's houses. It's an element of fun and doing life together, but it's also, okay, now let's make sure we have this time. Because the guys I'm meeting with right now, we get together and we just share and we hang out, and then we're like, we should probably get to it, shouldn't we? We should probably really get to this. And then we get to it. We have a book for you. We have other books if you don't like that book. But we want to challenge you to be in this. So if it's not clear enough, you got to tell me, because Kim's going to tell me this week, and then I'm going to get in trouble again. So really clearly, we want you to be in a triad if you don't already have one. A group of three, four, or five of people like you going in the same direction. We're going to take communion together. And uh, the La Costa guys are there. They, they, they look nicer than usual, actually, this morning. So they'll smell really nice when we go back there. But communion, the very word, commune, means to do together. Communion was meant to be done together. It's not like you go, oh, I better check the pantry because it's time for communion. No one's there. It's just you. That's, that's not what is intended. Christ said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he did it when they were together. So as you're taking this communion, do it in remembrance of him. But realize you're also doing it together as the church. And it's okay. Can you all stand with me as I pray, please? If you're able. Father God. Lead us, challenge us, move us, use us to stir each other. May we push through those things that 
cause us to not want to be together. And show us how to encourage each other. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we do these panels, the cool thing is for me is that I get to kind of listen in. I get to hear from them. And something that I thought about during this was, am I being intentional like that in my own family, in my own marriage, with my kids, with my other uh, blood family who've chosen to follow Christ? Not all of them have. But am I living in such a way that I'm challenging them but also giving them permission? Because that's the big step, isn't it? I mean, no one's going to talk to you unless you say, I want this. I mean, does my wife know that she has permission to speak into my life to stir me on? My kids right now, are the oldest ones are just starting to get to the point where they're like, I think we can talk this way to dad. I think we can say, dad, do you really want to do that? Or, hey, dad, what about this? Like, they're starting to get that. But that's what should be happening with us as Christians. That we have those people, not just the guy groups, not just the girl groups, although we are, that is critical. But in all of our Christian relationships, and it starts with us, Showing them the way by giving permission. It takes a lot of courage to say, you know what, Ruli, I want to know if you see something in this. I have that with a few people. It scares me to death every time. Me saying it out loud scares them. But that's what's going to set us free and pull us into the calling that God has called us to. Let's pray. Father, all of this is, is talk without you moving in our hearts. If this is truly what you want from us, Lord, then move us hearts and our minds and our spirits. Create us into a community that is not just a church of people standing next to each other, but people doing life together. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen.